Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Hey, can we take just a minute to thank Nikki for leading our kids and raising a generation? Thank you, Nikki. I want to start off this morning just praying. If you could pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for your nearness, your grace this morning. Lord, we thank you that you've taught us that there's no greater love than when we lay down our lives for one another. And Lord, we want to thank you for the sacrifice of thousands of men and women throughout this nation's history who have given us the opportunity to do what we're doing right now, to practice our faith openly without persecution, God. May we steward this freedom to its fullness to see your kingdom advance, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, it's uh, really great to see you guys here this morning. My name is Ben Wickle. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to have the kids with us. Um, parents, I, I was able to, to rehearse the sermon to get it down to a good 90 minutes, so we should be all right. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I was driving on Highway 401, which is real close to this where we're at. I was a junior in high school. It was 2002. I was driving, a, I think it was a Toyota Tercel. I don't, I don't even know if they make those anymore. And it was one of the first times I had this existential moment. Looking back, it was definitely the Holy Spirit putting on, stirring my heart. But I was like, why am I here? You know, what, what, is, what, is, what am I going to do with my life? What's my purpose? I was having those thoughts as a 16-year-old. And I began to go through, to the best of my ability, I was going through the, the subjects of school that, you know, math, science. I was going through all those things going, well, I don't like science. I don't like math. I don't like English. And, oh, I love Jesus. I really love Jesus. I really love the Bible. I, I, I'm just going to spend the rest of my life just doing this whole Jesus thing and ministry. And I, I don't even think I knew what ministry meant at that time. But I, what was happening was I, I was having this internal dialogue with what we as Christians, we use this term a lot, we call it calling. Calling, we, that's a term we use a lot in Christian circles. And it's, it's, it's a term that speaks to this really deep desire that we all have, this longing to, to make an impact, this longing to, to live something and do something significant with our lives. And it's a question that we wrestle with for years, decades, and it's not just as a teenager, but a lot, I know a lot of young adults, they come out of college and they're really thinking about, what am I supposed to be doing? And then for a handful of us, we, we get married and there's marriage and there's family. Then you're trying to go, how do I take this calling that God has for me and, and, and fuse it and, with, with family? I guess what I'm trying to say is that the whole idea of calling, it takes up a lot of real estate in our thoughts and our emotions because it's really the, the, the basis for some of the most biggest decisions that we make in our lives. And so today we're going to start a series called Called and Commissioned. And this is going to be going throughout our summer. And if we could put a, there's a slide up there. And, and below 
that you, you, you see that there are five words, each would start with the letter D. That's what we call our D cycle, and we've been talking about that for the past couple years, that our mission as a church is to make disciples. And, and just to give you a little framework, uh, we've gone through these Ds, and, and we're going to be talking about called and commissioned, which is really about seeing you deployed and ultimately developed in the purposes that God has for you. And I'm hoping that during the summer that we can hear, not just from myself, but there, there are a handful of you. Many of you are, you're, you're, you've been called to the marketplace. You've been called to healthcare, education, and, 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 and we, I would love to make space to hear from you guys and so you can share testimonies and stories. Because here's the goal. We just sent out some missionaries to Africa. We've, we've done that a lot over the years. And here's the goal, that in the same spirit that we've sent out missionaries. We've gotten behind them. We've prayed for them. We've seen them commissioned. They know what God's called them to, the assignment they have. In that same spirit that all of you, that all of us would, would know, okay, this is what God has for my life. And you feel, you, you have, you're envisioned to what your call is. You're empowered, and then you're equipped to go do it. And that's the goal for this series, and today is really about laying this, this foundation of what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about calling? We're going to actually look at the word call. Uh, and my hope is that we can develop a little mini biblical kind of the, the theology of, of calling. We use that word calling a lot. People say I'm called overseas. Uh, people say I'm called to start a business. My wife and I, we are really feeling called to, to leave our kids here and serve and suffer for Jesus in St. Lucia for at least a couple years. We're feeling that calling on our life right now. It's a calling that we have. We just need someone to be called to watch our kids. So I'm praying for you this morning. Maybe you'll be called. But have you ever stopped to think about what does that word mean? What do we mean when we say calling? Or more importantly, what does the Bible say? And I did a little, little word study on... The, in the New Testament, for the words where we see those literal words called or, or where God calls us or calling, and there are two words in, in the Greek that make up a majority of those references of being, of being called by God. One of them is the word kletos. Can you say, guys say kletos? Kletos. And it literally means invitation. Like you've been invited to a party, been invited to a banquet, and you can imagine, we all know the feelings of being invited into something. We know the feelings of not being invited into something. Then there's a second word, kaleo. Can you guys say kaleo? And that means literally to be, to call one's name out loud. To call one's name out loud. Now, what happens when you take those, those two terms, those two Greek words, and, and you put them together, and there's just this beautiful picture, this beautiful meaning, this beautiful definition of, of calling. And I, I have it up here for you. I'm going to read it out here. When we, t- when we read the word calling in the Bible, it, it means that our Heavenly Father is personally inviting you by name, by name, to a divine appointment with him to partner on a divine task. I'll say that again. Calling is about our heavenly father personally inviting you, each of you, by name, 
to a divine appointment with him to partner on a divine task. And I even love that. He, he, know, he says our name. He says our name. And if there's one thing that, I, that can just transform your life, that can take your faith and your religion and just go next level, is when you just begin to hear, like, God say your name. And this is so important for us as Americans because as Americans, we, we view calling, we view what we have to do in very transactional terms, very checkbox. But what is it like with God? He's so relational. He's so intimate. In other words, what he calls us to is never separated from intimate connection with him. I'm going to make a point here if you're taking notes. Point number one is that our calling with God is personal. It's relational. It's always intimate. Our calling with God is personal. It's relational. It's intimate. And it's a bit early in the sermon, but I want to do a little prophetic exercise. I want to pause from a teaching standpoint, and I I want us to do an exercise. I've compiled a list of the majority of those scriptures where we literally see the word called, like you're being called into something. And we're going to go through a list of those scriptures, and I've paraphrased them in a way that they're, they're based on the Word of God, but I've paraphrased them in a way that God is speaking directly to you. And as we go through these, I'm, I'm going to prophetically declare them over you, and you'll notice that uh, we'll have them up on the screen, but when we go through it, there's going to be a little, little space there for you to, for, there's going to be a little pause. And I want us to practice each, every person, even the kids, I want you to practice just being still and hearing God say your name. Because he's, because he's saying your name a lot. And when, I'm telling you, when you just learn in your thought life, he, he's, a lot of times he'll speak through your thoughts. He'll say your name. And we're gonna go through these scriptures. I'm gonna declare them out to you and just one by one, all right? Does it make sense? All right. And so I encourage you just in this next two to three minutes, just Posture your heart, be still. Posture your heart just to receive from the Lord. And I'm gonna prophetically declare these over you and practice hearing him say your name. I no longer call you a servant, but I call you my friend. I am calling you to be sent out for the gospel. I have called you to belong to me. I have called you to be a saint. I have called you according to my purpose. I have called you into fellowship with me. I have called you by my grace. I have called you into freedom. I have called you into hope. I have called you to be holy 
I have called you to obtain glory. I have called you to endure through hardship. I have called you out of darkness and into light. I have called you a child of God. I have called you my beloved. Amen. I want to encourage you. If, if your quiet time with Jesus, if your reading of the Bible with Jesus is ever getting a little stale, do that. Take the scriptures. They are God's love letters to you. And he is calling your name. So to recap, point number one, our calling with God is never separated. It is always about personal, relational intimacy with him. Now there's something else that was really, really important about those scriptures that we just went through. As I was studying those scriptures, something jumped out at me. How many of those verses dealt more with this positional positional state of being versus a task that we are called to go do something. How many of those verses, there's 10 or so plus, and they were really, I, 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 tr- trust me here, they were a majority of the scriptures in the New Testament where literally we see God calling us to something. How many of them just dealt more with just our positional, this place with Jesus, we're receiving him versus something we gotta do? have a little graph, if we could put the chart up here, just comparing them. On the left-hand column, this is, we've been called to this, to, but to be positionally receiving friends of God, fellowship with Christ, freedom, saints, you are holy, to obtain glory, you belong to Christ, by grace, you, hope, there's glory, there's called into light, you are my beloved, children, as opposed to and these aren't, they're not bad, but there's just a few of them here sent out to a purpose, endure hardship. So what do you think God is trying to tell us with that? It seems as I was studying this list of verses that God was may, way more interested in calling me to become someone than to go do something. So point number two, if you're taking notes, is that he's, you're called to be before you do. You're called to be before you do. I have a couple quotes here. Uh, there's a great book by Peter Scazzaro. Some of you like Peter. He's great. He's, he's got a book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. I just want to read a couple of these quotes from chapter three. He's got a whole chapter called Be Before You Do. He says, too many followers are chronically overextended doing more for Jesus than their inner life can sustain. He also says, Doing for Jesus must flow out of being with Jesus. Number three, he says, in addition, you cannot give what you do not possess. Lastly, what you do is important, but who you are is even more. Point number two, you are called to be before you do. And I'm telling you, if we can get this settled and rooted in our hearts, that's a game changer. I mean, it doesn't matter what type of, any calling, any vocation, it could be the most mundane thing. Like, you could be like a donut maker. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. 
If you have that, that, that list of on the left-hand side, if those things are just firmly rooted in your life, it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? You can show up at the donut shop. I'm a child of God. I have obtained glory. There's hope. I belong to him. We're called to be before we do. And those, really, those two points that we've covered so far, they're so foundational. They're so foundational. If it, we, and not that we'll arrive there, but we have to make sure those get rooted in their hearts because the, the, what we talk about for the rest of this summer and, and looking at callings and vocations and equipping you guys for ministry, and there's a lot of, let's go do, do, do. That's, a lot of that's great. But if we don't get this, then we're, gonna, we're getting the cart before the horse. All right, so what else does the Bible say? What about that whole uh, mission, disciple-making thing, right? There's a great commission. Go make disciples. I have a couple of scriptures here. These are, we, we love these. We read them a lot. Matthew 28. There, the Bible does talk about these things that we are called to go do. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Point number three, we're laying these foundational points of what the Bible says about calling. Point number three is that we are, called, we are all called to the mission of God. We are all called to the mission of God. I remember when I was 18 years old, I had already been following Jesus for a couple of years. I was on a mission trip to Curitiba, Brazil, a guy named Randy Clark, and he was, he was preaching this sermon, and the, the fire of God was on the sermon. The anointing of God was on his sermon, and he was just giving this exhortation to, to lay down your lives, to go wherever God would have you to go. And, and I, he hadn't even offered up an altar call, but I just remember going to the front saying, Jesus, it was a real like consecration moment. Like, Lord, wherever you have me to go. And we all need those moments in our life. We're like, God, whatever you want me to do. I am surrendering to the mission of God. I have all of these desires and plans and giftings, but God, whatever you have me to do. Well, a few years later, I meet someone who shares this passion, this, you know, the call of God, mission of God. Julie, we get married. We were planning to go overseas when we get married, but we just inherited, you know, a lot of school debt. So we didn't go overseas. We paid off that debt, and then, then kids started coming. Then one after another, there's just more kids coming. Then, then we're buying a home, and then we're saving for retirement, and we're talking about kids' education, and we're trying to grow in community, and, and then we, you know, we're talking about finding a new home, and how do we make more money, and, and then the kids' education in different ways. And, and, and we're 12 years into this. We're 12 years into this, and you know, it was about a month ago. You know, we're wrestling with, with some of these things, and... You know, some of these things that I just mentioned, they have, they have a tendency to bring up marital conflict. Does anyone else identify with that marital conflict? And, and in, in that kind of moment, about a month ago, like in God's mercy, he just takes a, like a, a bucket of water, just splashes it over me. And you have one of those God moments. Sometimes you listen to a sermon. Sometimes you have a, the advice of a good friend. For me, in that moment, I was just reading a book um, about the mission of God. And, and there was just this quote Dr. David Black, he's a professor here, Wake Forest. It, it, it was, we were fighting about stuff in our marriage, and, and I just saw this quote. I'll, I'll read it to you. 
Christian marriage has a higher purpose than marital happiness and compatibility. Believing husbands and wives must be partners in the gospel, intentionally creating perspectives, attitudes, and priorities and goals that are in keeping with the great commission of Jesus. And I read that. I read that in, the, in kind of a, 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 not a season, but just a, you know, this couple weeks of uh, wrestling through all those things. And it was like, boom, like the Holy Spirit was going, what are you focusing on? What are, you, what are you fighting about? And I got convicted because, man, we, I, 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 we believe such a self-serving gospel sometimes. It's like somewhere along the line, we made the gospel about, like, what is he going to do for us? And do you remember Paul has these words to Timothy? I'm paraphrasing here. He says to Timothy, be a good soldier, of Christ, don't entangle in civilian pursuits, but seek to please the one who enlisted you. Can you imagine showing up at, I don't know if anyone's, we have, I know we have people who have served in the armed forces, and thank you for your service, but it, some of you, if you never, if you have to go to the recruitment office, can you imagine like going to the recruitment office, and you're signing the paperwork, and you're like, hey, hey, by the way, you know, sir, uh, commanding officer, and uh, I'm going to sign this, but just so you know, I'd like to serve here, and Two years, I'm going to buy a house, we're going to have a job, I'm going to raise a family, and, and, and then on Wednesdays and Sundays, we'll fight, I'll serve. Uh, but after that, a couple years, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to serve over here. I'm not in the military, but I don't think that works, right? TJ, I don't, TJ, I know you serve, like, that doesn't happen. When you enlist, you, you're, you're doing what they want you to do, right? And so I was allowing... The, the cares of this world, not necessarily evil things, but the cares of this world to choke out, Paul, or Peter, Jesus talks about the parable of the, the cares of the world, to choke out the word of the Lord over our lives, which was to be on mission with God. And so here, here's point number four. Our care for the things of this world can distract us from the mission of God. Our care for the things of this world can distract us from the mission of God. So here's some questions that we need to consider. Do you view your job through the lens of the mission of God? Is our job, is it just about making money, using our talents, building up our resume, accomplishing just sense of self? Do we view our families, our marriages through the lens of the mission of God? Is family just about raising obedient, well-behaved children? Is it just about making sure they're safe, having a good education, and having access to all forms of recreation and personal enrichment? For students, do you view your educational experience through the lens of the mission of God? Is it just about getting the, the good grade, getting a diploma before moving on to bigger and better things? And furthermore, this is how we know we're on mission with God. I, I mentioned this in that Mark 16 passage, but point, this is point number five. The mission of God, like it, it includes this preaching of the gospel. And this is like really convicting for me to say this up here, because I was like, uh, how many times have I preached the gospel in the past year? Are we actually preaching the gospel? Does the company that we've worked for, the job that you have for X amount of years, do, do they know or have they ever heard you share your faith? How about our next door neighbors? Do they know that we're Christians? Do they even know our names? That one convicts me. 
Do my children hear me ask for forgiveness, confess that I'm a sinner in the need of God's grace? Do they hear the gospel being preached at home? We have a, a, a sign on the back there. You can, if you turn around, you can see it. That was put up there by the Point Church. It's, it, it's the BLESS tool, B-L-E-S-S. It's an amazing tool. It's a tool that we'll mention throughout the summer. It's a powerful tool of equipping God's people to be a blessing. And as you guys can read it, the B stands for begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve. And then the very, very, very last S, what does it say? It says st- story, or you can, it, says, it, it can mean share, meaning that's when we share the, the gospel, when we share God's, our testimony. Now, we can do all the, the if we do B-L-E-S, and those are all really, really good things. We need to do those things, by the way. But if we never get to the last one, if we never get to that actually where we're sharing our story, then we're falling short. Rome, I think it's Romans 10 that says that, you know, how, talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel because the, 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 the unsaved, they, they can't believe until they've heard and they can't hear until what? Someone, someone shares it. These are Paul's, some of his famous words, Romans 1, 16. For I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And that's my prayer for us, this series, that we would be, there would be an empowering in us that we're unashamed. We're unashamed There's, that the timidity to, to share the gospel would be replaced with an empowering presence. Just a really cool story for those of you who, who, have, who have, like me, this insecurity to, to share your faith. I, I remember uh, my son, Brendan, he was maybe three or four years old. Julie took him to the park. And this is just a really what God showed me. Like, this is like evangelism. And I wasn't there, but Julie was telling me how, like, Brendan would go up to, like, these other kids. And he'd be like, my daddy's awesome. I love my daddy. And he'd just go up to these other kids. My, daddy, my daddy's great. And, and I'm like, I think, that's, I think that's evangelism. I think that's, like, just going up to people and just saying, my God, my father is so good. Let me just tell you why. Like, it's, it's, it's that simple, right? It's that simple. And in this summer, we're, we're, we'll go deeper into this. We want, it, we want you guys to be equipped and empowered to, to preach this gospel, to be on mission with him. Now, we got one more point, but let me recap these. We are personally called by God. We are called to be before we do We are called to the mission of God. Our care for the things of this world can distract us from the mission of God. And this mission of God includes preaching the gospel. And I have one more point, point number six. Because I recognize that there are people in this this room, and because of what you're going through, you could hear everything, particularly this last point about being on mission. And you could go, I'm just, I'm tuning out because I got heart issues. And point number six is that all are called. We are all called. And I know we understand that. We presume that as Christians intellectually, theoretically up here. But I really want to get at a heart level for a moment. And that is you can believe you're called until you don't feel like you're called. You can, could have been taught this already. And then 
life happens, marriage happens that goes unsuccessful and, and there's failures in relationships, there's failures in jobs, there's failures in life, it's messy, you start struggling with all these issues and, and, and you just, you're wondering, am I called? And this is where a broad stroke of, the, uh, of a survey of the Bible characters is so encouraging. So I just want to list some of these characters of the Bible. Well, or groups characters. Take the disciples. Acts 4 says that when the Pharisees perceived and looked at them, they were uneducated. Literally, some of them were illiterate. Do you ever think the disciples felt a little disqualified, unqualified, inadequate? What about Mary? poor random teenager girl from an obscure backwoods town. Do you ever think she felt irrelevant? What about Gideon? His first mention in the Bible, he's, he's hiding. It takes God a couple miracles just to get him to, to, to trust him. Did Gideon struggle with doubt? Yes, he did. Then there's David. He was, he was the runt. He did not get the, the Evite to the king reveal party. He didn't get that invitation. And some scholars believe, and they have some scriptures to back this up, that he, he could have been born, out of, born as part of an illegitimate marriage. He felt uninvited. Daniel. We love the story of Daniel. But if you go back and read it, like this guy experienced trauma. A youth, he witnessed, as a youth, he witnessed the destruction of his home, his family. He was carried out of his home people, indoctrinated. Some teachers think that, this is not proven, but he, he could have been made a eunuch serving with Babylon. Likely some trauma there. Then there's Paul. Well, yeah, he had training, but did he feel shame? I think so at times. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. He says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted. He felt shame. He felt unworthy. Then there's Abraham waffling back and forth, believing God. There's the Samaritan woman, five husbands. You think she struggled with feeling qualified. And yet with each of them, God calls all of them. He calls all of them. Here's the bottom line. God has a call for all of his people. He has a call for the uneducated. He has a call for the irrelevant. He has a call for the shameful. He has a call for the unwelcomed. He has a call for the traumatized. He has a call for the abused. He has a call for the wavering. He has a call for the doubtful. He has a call for the fearful. And if you've ever felt like this, then I'm declaring over you, you have a calling this morning. Paul put it beautifully. He puts it best. 1 Corinthians 1. He says, for considering for consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, because of Christ Jesus, the gospel, who became, he became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So that is written, let no one, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We mentioned the, the, the gospel as a sign of being on mission with God, but it's also the basis for which qualifies all of us for this mission. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. 
And so I, I believe there's, because of Jesus, that there's a calling this morning. He's issuing a call. And I'm, I'm going to invite all of us to, to go ahead and stand up. And I, I'm going to give a few invitations. I'm going to give a few callings for prayer. One is, maybe you're, you're feeling the call to return back to just being with him. You've been more focused about doing than just being with him. Secondly, there may be a, a sense that you're, you're being called to, I need to be called for the to mission of God. There's this greater purpose of preaching the gospel. I've been distracted. I want to get back to focusing on really what's changing things in eternity. I want to, get a, I want to be called to the mission of God. And then lastly, I want to issue an invitation for anyone to receive this gospel for the first time, but maybe for the hundredth time in a fresh way where you haven't felt called because of everything you're carrying. And yet we know because of the gospel, he's calling us even when we're not qualified. Amen. So let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for this gospel. We thank you that it's because of you there is a calling on our lives. We thank you, Lord. So we want to, by faith, say yes. Say yes to your voice. Say yes to this commitment to follow you, Jesus, to be with you, the mission of God, even when we don't feel like it, Lord. Yes, Lord, we let you define our reality this morning, Jesus. I'm going to invite our, our, word, our ministry team to come to the front. If we could have some people just, just to, to pray with you. And if you need prayer for any of these things or something else, please come to the front. But let's take a, a few minutes just to, to, to let the Lord minister to you, to worship under the Lord and celebrate his gospel.